1: This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Folks, did you know that all men were not created equal? That all men are not created equal? Welcome to the program. Now, before you choke on your lemonade or your iced tea or your coffee, let me explain this. This is true. A Louisiana Democrat legislator said that students should not recite the Declaration of Independence because it was written when slavery still existed. This woman, Barbara Norton, she argued against a bill that would require 4th through 6th graders to recite a part of the founding document. This is from a Fox News story. Norton, who is black, says she fought the bill because the Declaration of Independence was written when blacks were not free. You can't make this up. Here, I want to play a little bit. It only lasts about two minutes, but I want to play her, her speech on the House floor.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representative Hodges, I'm not really sure what your intent is, but one thing that I do know is all men are not created equal When I think back in 1776, July the 4th, African Americans were slaves, and for you to and for you bring a bill to request that our children will recite the Declaration, I think it's a little bit unfair. To us, to ask those children to recite something that's not the truth. This, you that, don't think that all men are created. Let me, You're saying let that's finish. not the truth? And for you to ask our children to repeat the declaration stating that all men are free, I think that's unfair in 1776 Dr. King was not even born. He was not even African Americans were in slavery. So since they were in slavery in the Declaration of Independence, hey, we were all treated, we were all created equal. We were not created equal because in 1776, July the 4th, I know you, nor any of us were born, nor was Dr. King born. So we were in slavery and to have our children to repeat, to repeat again and again documents that was not even validated. I don't think that that's fair because we're teaching them a lot.
0: Now, let's drill down into this for a little bit. The good people in this congressional district in Louisiana are represented by a tree stump. This woman is straight up ignorant. Now, she stood in the well of the house. I don't know if she thought she was sounding intelligent. She was trying to. She has no command of the English language. Men's is not the plural of man. It's men. I mean, the, the woman was all over the map. She butchered this this thing. She said the declaration was not even validated and that the bill was unfair. This is the bill that would require fourth through sixth graders to recite a part of the Declaration of Independence. I don't know if we need a bill for that. I'll be, I, I, I don't know about that. But this Republican representative who presented the bill, Valerie Hodges, She then shelved it after Norton's comments. When I read that, I said, why did Representative Valerie Hodges shelve the bill? Out of fear? You know, this is the the model. Just yell out racist. Call racist, call something racist, even when it doesn't exist. And people, mainly white folks, will flee, especially white politicians. The left knows this. Representative Hodges shouldn't have pulled this bill back. I mean, listen to what, what this Norton, this tree stump, said. I'm not really sure what your intent is, but one thing I do know is that all men's are not created equal, she said to Hodges on the floor. She went on to say, This is Norton, this tree stump. In 1776, Dr. King was not even born, Norton added. What's Dr. King have to do with this? In his birth. She wanted to say that African Americans were in slavery, so since they were in slavery, and the Declaration of Independence say we were all created equal. See what I mean when I said she has no command of the English language? She said, in the Declaration of Independence say we were all created equal. No, the Declaration of Independence said we were all created equal. She says... We were not created equal because in 1776, July the 4th, I nor you nor any of us were born, nor was Dr. King born, so we were in slavery and to have our children to repeat, to repeat again and again documents that were not even validated. I don't think that's fair because we're teaching them a lie. Now, as you and I know, the Declaration of Independence... Had to do with separation from the crown. Great Britain. What is she, how can she juxtapose these two these these two instances? I mean, this is bizarre. Now you know, this stuff comes up from time to time, and it's really disheartening when 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 the GOP flees at the first yell of the word racist. But this woman, how did she get into office? Who voted for this tree stump? I mean, somebody did, and probably a lot of people did. This woman was sent to Washington, And she probably should have gone and just kept her head down and kept her mouth shut. You know, she's like the tree stump that I'm represented in Congress by Representative Gwen Moore. This is amazing. Because Dr. King wasn't born and you and I weren't born. Therefore, it's not validated, the Declaration of Independence. Wow. This is, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but this is mind-boggling. Now, let me say this again. She said, in 1776, Dr. King was not even born. African Americans were in slavery, so since they were in slavery and the Declaration of Independence, say we were all created equal, we were not created equal. So this woman doesn't believe that all men are created equal. That's what she's saying. As a matter of fact, did you hear that point in there where, where somebody said? So, are you suggesting that you don't believe that all men are created equal? I'm surprised some feminists didn't stand up and say, uh, "Well, it said all men; it didn't say anything about women. Therefore, it's an invalid document." I mean, this is what this this is what passes for. Statesman and stateswoman like discourse and debate in the United States House of Representatives today. Well, when we come back we're going to talk about Donald Trump and his relationship with uh, Paul Ryan.
1: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. David Clark, The People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com/radio. Buck Sexton. Say what you will about the most ardent Trump supporters. They do not show up at Clinton rallies and Bernie Sanders rallies saying, you don't get to say this stuff. I've never seen it. I want to know if it happens because I've never seen it. Something very different, distinctive about the left. The left has raised now a couple of generations, but we're really seeing the sort of end results of this, of people who believe that there is only one kind of acceptable speech, and that's speech that they deem acceptable. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: people, sheriff. So Donald Trump, now that he is the GOP nominee, let's get rid of that presumptive stuff, okay? And you can fool yourself if you want to, but he's the GOP nominee. And now that he is, he's doing everything he can to try to unify this party, going into the convention and then throughout the summer and heading into November. The Democrats on the other hand are in full free fall mode. They are unraveling like a cheap suit. Mrs. Bill Clinton now she is the presumptive Democrat nominee cannot shake this guy Bernie Sanders. She cannot close the deal. She's struggling with an avowed socialist. This is fantastic. Let's rewind this back a couple of months ago. It wasn't that long ago, when all the talk with the media elite and the political elitists and the pundits was that the RNC, the GOP, was falling apart and that this was going to be a brokered convention. Everybody, to a word, said it. I remember talking on this program where I said one guy said, Donald Trump would have to win 60% of the remaining delegates to get to the 1237, and that is a statistical impossibility. And you remember me saying, wait a minute, is this guy an idiot or what? If he has to get 60% of the remaining delegates, that means it is a statistical possibility. And at the time, it looked like a high hurdle. Well, now you fast forward to now, I mean, he crushed it. By the time California's done and the rest of this primary, he will have crushed the 1237 level. And it was, at least by the New York Times standard and the Washington Post standard, it was a GOP that was in disarray, fractured, crisis. Those were the terms that were being used. And now you look today, several, we're talking several months. Everyone said it was going to be a brokered convention. I didn't. Many of you didn't. I mean, I'm fond of saying on this program politics changes by the hour. And even as it looks today is not how it's going to look in September and October and even a week before the. Election because we don't know, we don't know what will transpire between now and then that will rock this election cycle. This has been a roller coaster from the beginning. So now this 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 despicable woman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is on the ropes. They're talking about getting rid of her, going into the convention. The woman's a disaster. Mrs. Bill Clinton, their presumptive nominee is a disaster. Let me say this right now. And you're the first that's going to hear it, going to hear it, for tuning into my program that people share, Donald Trump is going to be the next president of the United States. There, I said it. And I say it for a number of reasons. That's not my point. Let me get back to this Paul Ryan situation. Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, he still has... uh, What should I call it? He's still shaky about whether to fully get on board with Donald Trump as the GOP nominee. And in a sit-down with political... He has some things to say that I just, it makes me shake my head. Uh, You know, at some point, Donald Trump doesn't need my advice. But at some point, Donald Trump should stop wasting his time and energy on these holdouts. You know what? Let the ship, ship set sail and say, you know what? This ship has left port and leave these people behind. And then when he becomes president of the United States... These people will wish they had boarded that ship before it left the port of call. They'll wish they had. But so for now, you have Paul Ryan. He says this in this political uh, story here. When people go to the polls in November, they're not just picking a person. They're also picking a path, said Ryan, who spoke repeatedly of unity with the front runner while refusing to bet on Trump's a Trump victory this fall. Quote, I think this is a we, not just one person, he added. I very much believe in a type and style of politics that may not be in vogue today, but I still think, nevertheless, it's the right kind of politics. Really? $13 trillion in debt? The economy staggering along? Like, like, like some fighter who just took a direct shot from a, in his prime, Mike Tyson? That's the right kind of politics? The omnibus package, the out-of-control spending in Washington, D.C., is the right kind of politics? That's code language, folks, for status quo, business as usual. This is why Donald Trump is where he is today. People have had it with the Washington way. You know, he says, this is Paul Ryan. This is a we, not just one person. To the victor goes the spoils. That's what I say. And I keep hearing other political pundits and political elitists. They continue to say that uh, Donald Trump has to uh, meet in the middle. No, he doesn't. It's his style and his smash mouth, his smash mouth politics that won him the GOP nomination. Why should he turn back? Why should he take his foot off the accelerator? He doesn't have to meet anybody in the middle. This isn't arbitration. He won. They all said they'd get behind the nominee. I think the people now who are backing off of this, there's a credibility gap. There's an integrity gap. How can somebody sit up there and say that Uh, They're a principled conservative, yet their word is no good. And if conservatism for for today, if this means giving Barack Obama more than he asked for in spending, funding all of his priorities, not sealing the border, if that means you're a principled conservative, well, I don't want anything to do with it. First of all, I don't think it is. I don't think that is being a principled conservative. Not one bit. You've heard me say many times on this program, you can't even identify the GOP. I say, what do they stand for? Less spending, smaller government? No. Military superiority? Apparently not. Now with these cuts to the military, I don't see it. Donald Trump doesn't have to meet anybody. Anywhere. He needs to chart a course and say, Follow me. Now, you don't have to follow. I'm not telling you what to do. But I said I would. I said I'd follow the eventual nominee, and that's Donald Trump, and that's what I intend on doing.
1: You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stew. Is it
0: Chicago's O'Hare? They're telling you to be there three hours ahead of time. And and we, yes, we've. They've already come out. I mean, TSA has come out and said how they're they're trying to streamline it. American Airlines said today they're going to they're going to start helping them out. They're giving like four million to private stuff to help the TSA out, ease the line. Pat and Stu, weekdays at five p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Share us. Let me correct something I said in the last segment. I said we were thirteen trillion dollars in debt to the federal government. It's nineteen trillion. Man, if it were only I say that tongue in cheek, thirteen trillion. Here's a story I found pretty interesting. The Obamas have decided on where they're gonna live after they leave the White House. This is This is so typical of an elitist, the arrogance of these people in Washington, D.C., the arrogance of Barack Obama. So the the Obamas have decided they're going to stay in the Washington area after they leave the White House. In a house valued at around six million dollars. The house they're going to lease. But, you know, this is one of these posh neighborhoods. It's one of the most policed in Washington, D.C. Listen to that. The guy who sat up there for eight years bashing the police is now going to live in a neighborhood that's one of the most policed in Washington. And, of course, minimal traffic. Posh homes. It's this is this is so typical of these people. Now here's a guy who hails from Chicago, spent a good part of his life there. It was his adopted city. Chicago, Illinois is what elevated him to prominence. And now he's dropping the city of Chicago like it's hot. (laughs) That reminds me of that. Snoop Dogg song. It's a, it's a cool song. Drop it like it's hot. That's what he's doing with the city of Chicago. Now let's take a look at what's going on in Chicago. Just recently over this last Memorial Day weekend, in a, in a very short period of time, during that weekend, 40 people were shot. Several weeks before, six dead, 27 injured by gunfire. It has gone on like this for a long time now. This isn't even anything new anymore, and we can't get anybody like Barack Obama, his adopted hometown, to even say anything about it because it's black on black crime, you see. But let one white Chicago police officer shoot some, uh, even an armed black kid, young man, I should say. When let's 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 not say kid. And Obama's all over it talking about we need transformational change of the law enforcement community. Police officers are racist. We need de-escalation training. But with the black-on-black crime, the biggest threat to a young black male in Chicago right now is another young black male. Think about that. So let's get back to this. This house that the Obamas are going to lease. And the reason they use, and I'm going to give them this. You know, their daughter, Sasha, is still at Sidwell Friends, that exclusive and good for them. Private school that all of the elitists in Washington, D.C. send their kids to with armed security. And they should want that for their children, but they should want it for everybody else's children too. The Obamas, and they don't. They don't mind your kids and black kids in these urban ghettos being shackled to failing public schools, facing violence every day. Let them eat cake, but for them, only the best. And my point is there's nothing wrong with that mindset, but you should want it for somebody else as well. And that's what chaps my rear end about the Obamas. So their daughter's a sophomore next year, and they want to allow her to continue in the same school. And that's a good thing. These are good parents, the Obamas. Everybody doesn't have that opportunity to pick and choose the school to send their kids to. Now here's Obama, the Obama's, at least Barack anyway, and he's the policymaker, opposes the voucher program school choice that would allow parents living in these urban ghettos with these failing K-12 public schools to get their kids out of those schools and give them a chance to go to a good or a great school using a voucher. He opposes that for those parents. This is why it's and this is just one example of why I said this guy has been a disaster. He's an elitist. So this home you know, that they they describe here. It's a nine-bedroom, eight-bathroom home. Nine bedrooms, eight bathrooms. You could use a different bathroom every day of the week and not hit all eight of them. There's only seven days in a week. Nine bedrooms? You could sleep in a different bedroom every night of the week and never hit the same bedroom. What about the people in the city of Chicago on the south side sleeping on the floor, sleeping on mattresses on the floor, their kids sleeping in bathtubs so that when a drive-by shooting happened, their kids have some shield around them, a porcelain bathtub while the Obamas live in one of the most highly policed areas in Washington, D.C. This is an 8,000 square foot house. And yet the good law-abiding people in ghettos across America have to live in these densely populated hell holes with inadequate housing, failing schools, crime and violence. And he forgets about that. The hell with them is their attitude. Let them eat cake. But they better continue to vote Democrat. Personally, I think that this is a ruse that they're staying in the D.C. area so that Their daughter can continue and finish Sidwell Friends. I think he just doesn't want to exit the stage. He knows darn well that between New York and Washington, D.C., those are the media capitals, co-capitals of the United States of America. And he wants to be right there, right up in it. He and Michelle ought to take their disastrous... Roadshow back to Chicago and help put that city together. It appears to me that Mayor Rahm Emanuel cannot figure this out. Barack and Michelle Obama should lead by examples or example. And they should put their daughter in the Chicago public school system to see what it's like. That would show me something about him. I don't expect that. You all want the best for your kids, and he should be no different. But he also shouldn't say the hell with everybody else and their kids and where they have to live. I find that aggravating. David Clark,
1: the People's Sheriff,
0: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Here's one that is particularly disturbing out of D.C. U.S. military uses 8-inch floppy disks to coordinate nuclear force operations. They're still on floppy, Skip. They haven't even moved to c- CDs. They're not one step behind technology. They're like six steps yeah, behind. Yeah, by the way, they're on 8-inch floppies, not even three and a half inch. The morning blaze with Doc and
0: Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network on Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. In the final segment here, I found an interesting story out of This is from a Fox News website where a rapper comes down hard on NYPD Commissioner William Bratton for some comments he made about rappers being thugs. I'm going to take you through this story. I may comment during it, but I may save my comments to the end. But again, this is from Fox News. Daryl McDaniels blasts New York Police Commissioner for rap comments. Daryl McDaniels, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame rap artist known for being in the hip-hop group Run DMC, said Friday New York Police Commissioner William Bratton should apologize for his comments, which label rappers as thugs following a shooting at a concert earlier this week. Bratton's comments came Thursday after one person was killed and three others were wounded at a Manhattan concert hall where rapper T.I. was scheduled to perform Wednesday night. Bratton blamed the shooting on, quote, the crazy world of the so-called rap artists who are basically thugs that basically celebrate the violence that they live all their lives, close quote. McDaniel said the comments were unfair to rappers like Will Smith, LL Cool J, De La Soul, and J. Cole. He added that the shooting wasn't a hip-hop problem. Let me pause there. I'll give this McDaniels character, whoever he is. Look, I I don't listen to rap. You know, I talked about Snoop Dogg before. Snoop Dogg was in some Chrysler commercials, and uh, I I just, that's how I know who Snoop Dogg is. But anyway, he, you know, he says it's not a hip-hop problem. He's right. This is a culturally dysfunctional black culture. That's what it is. Back to the story. Quote, he needs, this is McDaniels, he needs to apologize to all the rappers who have come from the streets but have never put out anything negative and disrespectful Disrespectful to break down and destroy their community, McDaniels told the AP on Friday. Quote, Bratton was upset and pointing a finger and getting to the root and not thinking about the people he would hurt by saying what he said. McDaniels continued, him as the commissioner saying it, did so much damage and pushes his hip hop, hop back, that's why he should apologize. Let me stop again. This McDaniels character has never said anything about Black lies Matter doing the same thing to the American police officer. Let me read this quote from McDaniels again. He needs to apologize to all the rappers who have come from the streets but have never put on anything negative and disrespectful to break down and destroy their community, McDaniels told the AP. Did he know how many hundreds of thousands of cops have never said anything disrespectful, have never treated anybody disrespectful, have never done anything to tarnish the badge, yet Black Lives Matter completely smears the entire profession as racist trigger-happy, bloodthirsty toward black males. And I didn't hear McDaniels come out and say, wait a minute, black lies. You know, I spell that L-I-E-S. You can't disparage all cops like that. This is so hypocritical. Back to the story, Bratton responded to McDaniels' comments late Friday. Quote, this is Bill Bratton now, commissioner, NYPD. I meant what I said about the thugs who call themselves rap artists and shoot up crowded clubs and in this case, kill and wound people, close quote. But he said in a statement emailed by his spokesman that he understands rap has become an important vehicle for storytelling in urban America and that there's a segment of gangster rap that often overshadows rap's most important messages. First of all, it's dysfunctional. If this is how we are doing storytelling in urban America, that's part of the cultural dysfunction that i'm talking about back to the story here bratton said his comments about the shootings were misread as a reference to all rap and hip-hop which it was not but i've never heard let me stop there let me i've never heard anybody from this world this rap world who make videos of violence against cops? I've never heard them say, "But well, you can't, uh, you know, you can't loop all cops in like this." Bratton said he's concerned about the subset that not only glamorizes violence but some who employ violence like a prop for street cred. Rapper Roland Collin- Collins, as known as Troy Avenue, was arrested in the shooting at Irving Plaza. He will face attempted murder and weapons charges. He was also shot in the leg. Ronald McFadder, who died, was a member of Collins Iron Taraj and had been there to provide security, according to his family. In an interview with WCBS Radio, Bratton said rap music oftentimes celebrates violence, celebrates degradation of women, cel- celebrates the drug culture. It's unfortunate that as they get fame and fortune, that some of them are just not able to get out of the whole life, if you will. Bratton said... McDaniel said his words were totally, totally unacceptable and false. Well, I would let me pause here. I would say that about how Black Lies mischaracterizes the American law enforcement officer. He's creeps. Back to the story here. And this is from uh, McDaniels. Quote, there's a million rappers who come from the hood who do not portray, promote, or produce products that celebrate or legitimize any form of negativity, he said. The commissioner, he knew better than that. I respect his job. I know it's hard and all that, but he should have known better. Now, here's a kicker. Mayor Bill de Blasio has said he thought Bratton was, quote, talking out of frustration. Oh, really? The mayor of New York once again kicking NYPD commissioner And the uh, um, NYPD right in the rear end. First of all, Bratton doesn't need de Blasio telling people how Bratton was feeling at the time. I know exactly what Bratton uh, meant when he said these things. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. This whole rap world is a dysfunctional culture. It's part of the dysfunctional culture in the black community. It does glorify violence and drug drug use. The rap culture does degrade women. Have you heard some of these songs, the, the, the lyrics? You ought to listen to some of the... Uh, more disgusting things. And, and and sure, you can say this about anything, right? Well, it's not all rappers. You know, Will Smith, yeah, the actor, he raps a little bit. And, you know, his stuff's pretty good. You know, get jiggy with it. And he doesn't get into all the vile. But you know what? Why doesn't the American police officer get this same consideration instead of being painted with this broad stroke by these black demagogues, these black racists? These black racialists. Here's another thing. Many of these songs, they throw around the N word. They drop the N word all throughout the song as if it's something to embrace. These people are vile. These people are disgusting. It has no place in our discourse and nor should it be glorified. This is the kind of stuff, this gangsta life, this is the kind of stuff that impressionable young people glom onto. It's very dangerous. Bratton was right, and de Blasio is wrong once again. It's all the time we have for this week. Follow me during the week on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at the People's Sheriff... Dot com. And now I'm hearing that Bill Crystal finally found himself a candidate to run as a third party. I'll tell you, I'll have more to say about this next week. I hear it's David French from the uh, National Review Online writer, brilliant writer. I don't know why he would get talked into something like this. God bless you. David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network.